Uh, our passage this morning, Psalm 133, it is one of a group of psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent. Psalms 120 through 134. And here's what is really unique about these 15 psalms. They are the songs that really carried God's people up in worship. So Israel would go up to Jerusalem. They would ascend a few times throughout the year for uh, various worship festivals. And it's likely that these psalms were put together as a sort of soundtrack for that journey. They were woven into the life of discipleship, of the life, life on the way. And we are on the same path. We are on a journey of discipleship, of following Jesus. We are pilgrims seeking the presence of God together. And so these songs help us to know what that life is like. They describe the sights and the smells and the feel of life on the way. So let's hear it together now. Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, and the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, when fa- when, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Thanks, David. So in 2018, there was um, a report done in the United Kingdom and across England, about 2 million people reported going weeks without any meaningful social interaction. And this had really significant effects on the health of, of the country. Another study showed that this kind of prolonged isolation had about the same effect on the body as smoking 15 cigarettes every day. And it was such a health crisis that the prime minister uh, at the time implemented a new office called the Minister of Loneliness, whose sole job was to tend to the country's loneliness and to address this crisis of isolation. And this wasn't just in the UK. The same year in the US, another study said that loneliness had reached epidemic levels. Now this was 2018, not 2023, not even 2022. So let me ask you, how do you think we're doing on loneliness today? Do you think it's better? Do you feel more or less lonely than you did five years ago? More or less lonely since COVID, since our heightened political division, since our increasingly on, <clears throat> online and, and digital age. Loneliness is a, is a real problem, and it doesn't just affect some of us. In these reports, there was no age-specific indicator for loneliness, because all of us, whether six months or 16 or 60, need deep, meaningful relationships. We were made for relationships. We were made for community, and when we don't have it, we suffer. So no one is immune to loneliness. We're all feeling the effects, the, the weight 
of loneliness. But there is a unique reality within the covenant people of God. Gathering together in worship is in many ways who we are. And when we don't do it with unity, when there is division and loneliness, even as we sit side by side this morning, there is a a cost. And so what does this community, what does this unity look like? Well, these studies, these reports, they can highlight the dangers of a lack of relationships, but what they can't do is give us a picture of the beauty of community. And that's what Psalm 133 does. So I want to consider this morning the beauty of community. We'll look at first the picture of community and then the the promise of community. So first, the picture of community. Like I said, this psalm is one of the Psalms of Ascent, the traveling hymn book for Israel as they were on their way to Jerusalem, but also as they were in Jerusalem and and after they had worshipped. And this psalm is for the people after they have worshipped and they are reflecting on what worshiping together was like. And the psalmist David here, he tells us in verse 1, he says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. He says, Behold, look, something amazing is happening here. God's people, men, women, children, they're in unity. They're not letting relational division rob them of the richness of worship. And when I say Division, I don't just mean divisiveness, but even just disinterest in others, a closedness. Any way of relating to or not relating to each other that leads to spiritual loneliness. And so he's saying this unity, this unhindered togetherness of God's people is good. And it's good because this is the design. Community is part of the very fabric of creation in the garden you'll remember God said it is not good that man should be alone we were created to be in relationship with others before God now I wonder how you would describe church if you would use the words good and pleasant or how you would describe your relationships in the church with other believers some of us can't even begin to comprehend how we would get there we're not even sure what good and pleasant community would look like. Well, this psalm gives us two illustrations, two pictures of what that community is like. And the first is in verse 2. He says, It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Now, this is a picture taken from the religious life of Israel. It's a little bit lost on us, but definitely not to Israel. In fact, this psalm is describing what they would have just witnessed. The oil was mixed. They smelled the fragrance filling the temple. They watched as the priest was anointed. The oil was poured on his head, and it ran down on his collar. And you may know the clothes of the priests were very significant. The robes themselves signified him as a spiritual leader for the people. His collar was decked with jewels, and he wore a breastplate that had 12 jewels on it, one jewel 
representing each of the tribes of Israel, and the oil is glistening over everything. Do you see the imagery that David is, is giving us here? The oil is being poured out onto the priest who's about to make atonement for the people. This is the oil of holiness. This is what set the priests apart for the task. It represented the Spirit poured out to enable the priest to intercede for the people. And the Spirit is covering everything. It's covering all of Israel. Everyone receives the blessing. The Spirit runs over everyone who is united. This reminds me of a Wendell Berry poem. Uh, Berry writes, Now comes the overflow, not to be imagined, but in time, in season, in presence. This is the splurge of beauty, transcending every need we know. So the psalmist David, he's recounting this extravagant outpouring of fragrant and beautiful holiness, poured out on the priest. Yes, but extending to and covering all of God's people who are united in the Lord. Now, does this mean that if division has crept in, that worship is empty for us? Of course, I don't think we should take it quite that far, but there is a very real and a very rich blessing of worship that cannot be experienced in disunity. A jewel that has been divided from the breastplate cannot experience the overflow of beauty. And so unity is like precious oil on the priest, but the psalmist gives us a second picture. In verse 3, he says, It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Now, Mount Hermon is the highest point in the northern part of Israel, about 9,000 feet in elevation. It's known as the Snowy Mountain because in the winter it uh, becomes snow-capped and it accumulates a lot of dew, so much that the dew runs down the sides of the mountain. And what happens is the sides of Hermon explode with life. There's lush vegetation all the way down the side of the mountain. Mount Zion, on the other hand, was very <clears throat> dry and dusty. It's farther south and much lower. There's not a lot of natural water. Everything has to be irrigated. And you may have seen the documentary Forest Man. It's narrated by a <clears throat> photographer from India who grew up exploring an island called Majuli. There's about 150,000 people who live on that island, and since 1917, Majuli has lost nearly half of its land mass due to erosion. And in 2009, this photographer, he was exploring a barren part of the island. For miles, it just looks like desert. When he saw in the distance what he thought was smoke from a fire, as he got closer, he realized in the middle of this barren wasteland, there was a forest growing. And the closer he got, he realized there was a man planting trees. The man said his name was Jadav, and he's been planting trees since 1979. So he'd become really concerned about um, the erosion on his home island, so he began planting trees to 
reinforce the soil. And the rest of the documentary shows how every day for decades, Jadav, his family cooked him food. They sent him out on a little boat. He made his way to this desert area of Majuli and by hand plants seed after seed after seed. And today, this forest, this oasis is home to elephants, rhinoceroses, deer, even tigers. It's a forest bigger than Central Park in New York City, growing out of the middle of a desert. Now, Mount Zion is like a desert. It's dry, it's dusty, there's not much life there, but it's the place of God's presence. It's where his people come together, and when they come together in unity, not letting age or politics or personality or education or even jealousy divide them. When they truly put the interests of others first, it is like an oasis of life exploding out of the ground. It's like someone gathered up some of Mount Hermon's dew and every day spread it around Jerusalem until everything came to life. So David is saying, when I think back on what it was like to be with my brothers and sisters, to be with them and worship the fullness of life that was there, it's like I could close my eyes and be on the top of Mount Hermon. I can hear the leaves rustling. I can feel the cool shade from the trees. I can breathe the fresh mountain air. This is what worshiping in unity is like. Now again, let's not take this too far. Life and blessing isn't contingent on our being united, but if we remain closed off, if we divide ourselves from fellow believers, whether through divisiveness or just disinterest, we are choosing to walk on scorched earth when a forest of blessing is offered to us. And so maybe these pictures of community could be a good diagnostic for us this morning. When we come together to worship as God's people, is there beauty? Is there a presence of the Holy Spirit that spreads like fragrant oil? And is there life? As a result of the Spirit's presence, is there an explosion of love and joy and peace and patience, all the fruit of the Spirit? This is the picture of community. God's people dwell together in unity, and this community experiences the beauty of the Spirit and explodes with life. Now let's look at the promise of community. So how do we get there? Why is it that a life like that is full of beauty in life? Verse 3, 4, because... There, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Now, there is referring to the, to the community, to the gathering of God's people. This is where we experience life. But notice the gracious imagery of the psalm. This blessing runs down. It's not earned. It's poured out from above, and we are the recipients of it. We don't receive life because of the act of our worship, but because of the object of our worship. 
It's not because our unity is perfect, but because we as a community are united in what is perfect. A.W. Tozer in his book, The Pursuit of God, illustrates this really well. He says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to, dis- to strive for closer fellowship. You see what he's saying? We don't tune our hearts and lives to each other trying to make unity work in order to earn blessing. We don't ascend Mount Hermon in our own strength to be refreshed. We don't make a pilgrimage to Zion to see the beauty of the Spirit. We tune our hearts and our lives to Jesus, the very presence of God running down from heaven. See, Jesus is the promise of community. Beauty and life come from him. Life forevermore is commanded for God's people, not because we get unity perfect, but because our hearts are tuned to the life of Jesus tuned to the reality that we don't get life by working up, but it runs down. And God was pleased to let run down what was most pleasant to him. At Jesus' baptism, the curtain of eternity is pulled back in a sense, and we get a glimpse into the divine unity of the triune God. The Father pours the Spirit out, it descends, it runs down onto Jesus. And what does he say? This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Our worship together, our community can be good and pleasant because we are united in the God who has for all eternity been in pleasant union. So this unity then is an invitation to be welcomed into this heavenly union. Jesus prayed that we would be one, even as he and the Father are one. And we are brought into this union by a better priest, a priest better than Aaron, who isn't anointed over and over, but who has once and for all made a desert wasteland of our sin, whose robes were torn off on the cross, who doesn't wear us on a breastplate, but we are engraved on his hands. We are in him. A priest who offered himself as our atoning sacrifice, but who raised from the dead and who ascended into heaven and then poured down his spirit. Not running over us, but into our hearts. And when we live as a community united by that, tuned to Jesus, hearts brimming with the Spirit, the shrubs of sin shrivel up, and the fruit of the Spirit thrives. We can't help but spread beauty in life. And so Psalm 133 is just an invitation for all of us, whether 
we follow Jesus or not, if you're not on the path of discipleship, of following Jesus, it's an invitation to look up to the God who came down, to be welcomed into a community, one with beauty and life, a community who has union with God, not because we've earned it, but because Jesus who came down rose again. And for us who do follow Jesus, every time we gather as God's people, we are united to taste, taste of the promise of what is to come. Because we're still on a journey. We're headed toward the promise of life together with our good and pleasant God. But even in the midst of this life that can so many times feel like a desert, he has planted an oasis, his church, where we can know a taste of goodness we can experience beauty in life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good and pleasant God, that you have existed for all eternity in beautiful union with your Spirit and your Son. Thank you for the invitation to know that beauty and that life through Jesus. Amen.